May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for our sermon this morning comes from our gospel lesson. Allow me to read it. Uh, it's a little lengthier from John chapter 11, uh, that account of Jesus raising Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead. But please allow me to read it to you uh, once again. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said to her. Do you believe this? You know, that's a question that just probes the heart and mind of every human being that is suffering. You know, every time we have someone in the hospital, every time that we sit in the pew at a funeral service, every time we stand at a cemetery mourning over a gravestone or standing next to a casket at a committal service, that question is put into our minds and put in front of us by Jesus. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. The question is asked a lot, do you believe this? You know, it's not an uncommon question to a lot of us either. I mean, if you have a great, uh, cool story or something or an anecdote, 
and you tell it to people and you say, well, can you just believe that? Because it's something that's so unbelievable. And usually we back it up with our anecdote or some sort of fact to make sure that they know it's real and that we're not just crazy. Well, do you believe this? You want some proof? You want evidence? How about raising somebody from the dead? For someone to say, I'm the resurrection and the life, and then raise somebody to life is pretty convincing. And that's the proof, not just the evidence. Evidence points to the probability. Proof says it is 100%. And so Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is proof that he gave that day at Bethany to prove himself that he could do what he told Martha. When he asked her, do you believe this? I know we often think of Martha as that woman who was too busy to sit at Jesus' feet and listen like Mary did. Martha was too busy preparing everything for Jesus' stay. But let's not forget the Martha here either. Here, what an incredible statement of faith she makes before Jesus. When Jesus said her brother would rise again, she says, I know he will. I know he's going to rise on the last day. And then she confessed Jesus to be the Messiah sent from God come into the world. Now, both of those statements are very true, and her faith was very strong as we see her tell those uh, things to Jesus. But especially her statement about rising on the last day, it showed that still she was misunderstanding something about Jesus then and there. You know, Martha had faith in Jesus, but her mindset was not quite what like Paul describes in our second lesson today. You know, he, he wasn't making this connection, Jesus, he wasn't making the connection between Lazarus rising and the last day to come. Jesus was making a connection about his immediate power over death, even right then and there. You see, Jesus wasn't just talking about the resurrection to come. Jesus doesn't just point us toward the resurrection. Jesus doesn't just describe the resurrection or point it out. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the power of life over death. And Martha and everyone else there that day were going to be fortunate enough to see that when a man dead for four days is called out of a tomb and he walks out as if nothing had happened. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes does not die. Do you believe this? Can you imagine if Jesus were around today and he made those claims and he proved it. Just imagine how many different places, like uh, uh, doctor's offices, uh, in-home care, healthcare centers, hospitals. Just imagine how much they'd be warring over Jesus, trying to get him there. As someone who could stop death. Somebody who could keep people from dying. Because that's what those places do. Those places are meant for just that reason, to prolong death. They, they study it, they research it, they administer medicine and medical help to prolong that ending. It's just unfortunate that prolonging is all they can do. 
Have you ever seen a hospital put out in a big headline that they have found the cure for death? That's a rhetorical question. I know you haven't. I also know that you never will. They're never going to have a cure for death. (laughs) It's impossible. No matter what they figure out, no matter what they learn, no matter how successful their medical research is, death is always going to win. Death is always going to be the final step for everyone. Eventually, all plants die. Eventually, all animals die. Eventually, all people die. Paul makes it clear why in Romans. He says that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he says in chapter 5, therefore, all people have to die. It really is that simple. Sinning means that you're going to die. Every other wrong thing is an effect of sin. All of our ailments and infirmities and our sicknesses and diseases, they're all effects of sin, but that's not the ending. All they do really is remind us of how fragile and frail we are as sinners, how mortal we are. And they do nothing for us but point us to that inevitable ending of death, telling us all what is on the way. You know, that's what people are afraid of when it comes to getting sick. Think about it. If this COVID-19, if you knew that it wasn't going to kill you, that you would just bounce back as if uh, it were another cold that maybe wiped you out longer, do you think people would be so afraid of getting it or spreading it? Or, Or getting other cancers or TB or any other disease or sickness that kills you know, that kind of fear of death causes us to exclaim what Mary, or I'm sorry, what Martha did to Jesus, but not in a faithful way. Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Knowing that in faith she just felt terrible that Jesus wasn't able to be there knowing he could have done something. But it's our sinful fears that lead us to exclaim, if you'd been here, something would have been better. If Jesus really does care, and if this Jesus can really stop death, then why doesn't he? If he's the resurrection and the life, then why are people always dying? Why are people still getting sicknesses? Why are people still not finding cures to some things? Why do some countries still suffer from diseases that we have been... rid of in our country for years now. Why do they still hang around? If Jesus is this resurrection and the life, why? Because physical death is not Jesus' first concern for you. When Jesus says they'll live even though they die and that those who believe will never die, Jesus is showing that there's something more important than just physical death. And there's something more important than your physical life. Because he says, even though they die, Jesus admits that in this world, sinners are going to have to die. But it's what comes after that Jesus is more concerned about. That's his main point. You know, Jesus didn't come as some sort of scientific or medical luck charm to cure all diseases. And anyway, Jesus could cure all the effects of sin 
he could cure COVID-19 and cancer and whatnot for us, but that inevitable ending would still have to come because all sin, and so no longer could we have that immortal relationship with God that was intended. Our sermon series theme for the Sundays in Lent are not the Savior we want, but the Savior that we need. And you see, the Savior that we need is not one who is just going to fix our physical infirmities, one who isn't going to prevent our physical death. No, the Savior we needed was one that was going to reverse the cause of that and fix our eternal lives from the second death of burning in hell because of our sins. Jesus didn't just raise Lazarus to impress people. Jesus, by raising Lazarus, led people to see him as the Son of God and believe in him as the Messiah and demonstrating his power over the effects of sin and his power to reverse it. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He meant real life. He meant the defeat of the deathly effects of sin, which would send us all forever to burn in hell, to face that second death. Defeat of that, that is life, and that real life is Jesus. He doesn't lead to life. He doesn't point out where we can find it. He doesn't suggest it. Jesus is it. What Jesus did in Bethany was just a glimpse of what he was going to do about a week later in Jerusalem as he walked to the cross and he died and he rose again three days later for you and for me. He proved that he does have power over death and that he can do what he was on his way to do for everybody, not just for Lazarus. And because we know that he was successful, we know that because he lives, we live too. Not just here and not just now. Jesus didn't die so that we could enjoy eternal life in this, this crazy, screwed-up world. Jesus died and he rose so that your sins would be forgiven, so that you might enjoy real life, in eternal, an eternal life in heaven. Because in that life, sins are gone. Everything we've ever done to break God's law, everything we've done to, to hate or doubt, or to show fear when we lack our trust in Him, those are all gone. And with that, all of its effects as well. No sickness, no disease, no fear of God, no death, no tense moments in relationships. The first few verses of Revelation 21 almost say it the best. I want to read those to you. It's a little longer, but it just is such a joyful picture of what Jesus came to reverse by defeating death for you and me. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That life, that life that John describes in Revelation, that is the life that Jesus is concerned about for you. Where sin and its trouble, where sin and death are just gone. Gone for good because he has defeated them by his work in this world for you. This is what Jesus has won for you. This is better than any other cure or fix that Jesus could give you in this lifetime because this life, real life, life eternal, that is what is yours. And it far outweighs everything. And it's yours right now. This revelation is talking about an end goal where death is defeated. It's a picture of the kingdom of God that is yours right now through faith. This is not a theoretical place for you that, that's waiting for you. It's not just a, a place that is there on a trial basis to, until you prove yourself because Jesus has proved himself for you. Now, if, if you're made alive in Christ Jesus for the second life, which Paul says you are, he, in the second lesson he said, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, and that the, the way that's phrased, he's saying it is. If this is true, and I know it is, Paul says, if you're made alive in Christ for the second life, then death must be gone. Because death and life cannot coexist in the same person. You have Jesus in life or you don't. And so because you have life through faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer have death. That explains Paul's call to uh, live as those who now have been given the spirit of him who raised Jesus, the spirit of God. He says, live as though you've been given a new life, which you have. You've been given a new life in Jesus. Don't Live according to the sinful flesh, which is dying, he says. You know, the life that you have now. The, the sinful flesh is greedy. The sinful flesh doesn't care about your eternal well-being. It wants what it wants now, whether you're, it's good for you or not. The, the sinful flesh is that selfishness which, which pulls you in to doubt God and to complain and to want to see Him as that medical miracle that we talked about before. It's the sinful flesh that causes us to fear and doubt when we don't see our results. Instead, Paul says, live by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit in you now, meaning that you'll be given life again too. Live by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God looks to bring you to see that Jesus has fixed the real issue, not just reversing physical death and sickness, but that he has reversed the effects of sin past physical death. Living by the Spirit doesn't live in doubt, but it lives by believing through faith. It doesn't resent Jesus for our troubles, but it thanks Jesus for fixing and getting at the root of the problem. Living by the Spirit allows us to call God Abba, Father, knowing that this Abba of ours 
this Abba which does real love, does everything for our good and for our best interest, even when it means facing a heart-rending disease or death in this world. Do you believe this? You better believe it. You can. Because Jesus showed with raising Lazarus that he is capable of his promise to defeat death for you. You know that he's defeated death for you in his death and resurrection. What he did for you is legitimate. No question about it. You are alive. Yeah, you're in the sinful world. You're going to get sick and you'll age and you'll pass like everything else and everyone else in this world. But the important life, the better life, that life eternal in heaven, standing at the throne of God as a co-heir with Christ, that is yours and shall never change through faith. It is yours now, and it will always be yours through faith in that resurrection and life, your Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord of peace himself Give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen.